Welcome to Pursuit Church Podcast, where we give those far from God the opportunity to pursue Christ. We are so glad you are here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe God has a word for you through today's message. We appreciate everyone that's here with us in person and online, and I believe today the Lord has a word for us. Before you're seated, I, I want to turn to the book of Psalm, Psalm chapter 51, verses 1 through 3. Psalm chapter 51, I'm going to start with verse 1, 1 through 3. This is David. He says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. On this Sunday, before we celebrate Thanksgiving this week, I want to speak on the greatest reason to give thanks. You may be seated this morning. The greatest reason to give thanks. If your Bible includes the title that explains the context of Psalm 51, you will read these words before Psalm 51 begins. It says, To the chief musician, a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Now, can you imagine how humiliating it must have been for David when Nathan came to him that night? No doubt David had hidden his secret for so long and, and so well that he had probably begun to think that he had gotten away with it. And by now, things have probably returned to normal in his life. And by now, David is probably doing his best to forget the whole affair and to put the past behind him. And so I doubt that David had any idea where Nathan the prophet was going when he launched into his story of the poor oppressed man who had his one little lamb stolen from him by his rich neighbor. It was genuine anger that was stirred within David as he rose up and he began to pronounce judgment on the selfish person who with the audacity would do such a thing. In fact, David says, just as surely as the Lord lives, that person should die. David says, anyone who would do such a thing should die. But can you imagine today how shocked David must have been when the prophet finally dropped the charade and he pointed his finger into the face of the king and said, David, you are that man. And in that moment, all of his anger became guilt. And in that moment, kingly pride was swallowed up by humility. Just imagine if the worst thing, church, that you ever did in your life, that one thing that you were hoping was forever lost in time, that one thing that you were hoping was successfully hidden, 
If all of a sudden you were confronted with the knowledge that somebody now knows the terrible thing that you did. There is no doubt that this was a defining moment in the life of David. It was a moment he would never forget. So many emotions, so many thoughts and feelings must have run through his mind in this moment. On the one hand, he must have been overwhelmed by the guilt and shame. Well, on the other hand, he must have felt a very unsettling feeling that his secret was now out there in the open. The thing that he had worked so hard to conceal, all of the effort to hide the thing, all of the planning, all of the sense of false security once the murder of Bathsheba's husband was complete, all of it vanished in that instant. All of a sudden he was forced to recognize that he could not hide the truth any longer. This is what David had learned that night. You cannot hide anything from God. No matter how well you conceal a thing, there is always one who knows the truth. He knows all things. He knows the most secret things in our life. We might try to hide them from everybody else, but we cannot Hide them from him. He knows what nobody else knows. He knows the very thoughts and intentions of our hearts. Not even complete darkness can conceal him from, conceal us from his all-seeing eye. He knows everything that there is to know about us. And in that moment when Nathan revealed this dreadful truth, David's heart was struck before the Lord, shocked and, and surprised and, and convicted. There were two things he could have done. He could have chose to make excuses to try to continue to cover it up and try to rationalize the decisions he had made. Or he could run to the mercy of God, church. David could repent. He could let his heart be broken and his spirit be humbled before the Lord. He could let tears fall down his face and he could admit to God that he had done wrong and he was sorry for what he had done. David, with his mind made up, chose the latter. He chose the mercy and the forgiveness of God. And he began to, to, to pray these words. He says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. It was a prayer of repentance. Up until now, David had tried to hide his sin, but now in the uh, revelation that he could no longer hide it, he turns to God for mercy. And, and not only does he finally realize that he needed to turn to God, but he realizes something that he did not grasp at first. Only you, Lord, can blot out my transgressions. Only you, Lord, can make me new again. Only you Lord can help me in my mess he goes on to say in verses 2 and 3 wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin for I acknowledge church my transgressions and my sin is ever before me 
In that final statement of verse 3, David is acknowledging the truth that defines his life. My sin is ever before me. The phrase ever before me conveys so many truths. First of all, David's sin would always be before him. Even though he gets the mercy from God, David still lived under the law. And the sad truth is that his sins would always, for the rest of his days, be before him. Under the law, his only hope is the sin sacrifice. But the blood of bulls and goats cannot wash away sins. They can only roll them forward for one year. And so the guilt and shame is there every single year. The condemnation is there every time he carries his sin sacrifice to the temple again. Every time he, he picks up and, and chooses his lamb, he will be reminded of the dreadful thing that he had done once again. He will always, for the rest of his life, bear the crushing guilt of those terrible choices he had done in his life. It would be rolled ahead, but only for one year at a time. And every year, David would have to again face the greatest failures of his life. Now, not only was David's sin always before, be before him, but the unfortunate truth is that his sin was always growing. His guilt was always increasing. Each year in David's life brought new failures, new guilt, new transgressions. And so David's sin wasn't just there, but it was growing and it was increasing. And each year the, the guilt was greater and greater. And each year the transgressions became more and more. And each year he would fall further and further short of the measure of God's law. He was guilty. He would always be guilty. But besides that church, his guilt was always growing. And the best that he could hope for was to roll his sins ahead, to take his ever-growing list of wrongs and faults and failures that demanded death under the law and push them ahead for just one more year. That's the worst truth that's conveyed in the phrase ever before me. My sins are ever before me. Because ultimately David understood that one of these days judgment was coming. And at this point, even if David somehow did everything right, somehow he fulfilled the full law from that point forward, even if he was a perfect man, the best that he could hope for was one more year. He was only putting off the inevitable for one more year, church, because sooner or later he had some sins in his life that were going to have to be paid for. Church, that's why it's so important that one day John the Baptist stood up he lifted up his eyes to see Jesus coming and he uttered some of the most powerful words in all of scripture. 
John chapter 1 verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. John the Baptist looked and saw Jesus coming up over the hill and he saw him walking towards him and he said behold there he is the lamb the chosen one the sacrifice for our sins the great messiah the one we've waited for the one who would fulfill the law the one church who would take away the sins of the world Thank God for the precious blood church that flowed down Calvary Street. Thank God for the sacrifice that was once for all. Thank God for the atonement. He was the Lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world. He didn't come to just roll them forward. He didn't come to just temporarily postpone judgment. He came to take away sins. He came to take away guilt. He came to remove that ever-present responsibility for sin. He came to take away the ever-looming judgment for our sin. Thank God for the Lamb. Thank you, Jesus, for the sacrifice. Thank you, Lord, for the new covenant. He took the place of God's wrath at Calvary. He would pay the price, the ultimate price for our sins. He would do more than just cover them. He would do more than just roll them ahead. But he would bring forgiveness. He would bring remission. He would bring a blood covering that would forever cover sin. He would make the words of the psalmist a reality when he said he cast our sins as far as the east is from the west Jesus blotted out our transgressions Jesus stood in our place he was more than just another lamb his blood was more than just the blood of bulls and goats he was the atoning sacrifice that brought us near to God again he bore the wrath he faced the judgment. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He didn't just push judgment off for another year. No, he paid the ultimate prize for our sins. He died for our iniquities. And he promised us, church, that they would never be remembered again. And so... Do you know what I am most thankful for this Thanksgiving? Do you know what I am most thankful for today? Do you know what I am most thankful for every single day? Let me tell you, church, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is now no more guilt, no more shame, no more judgment, no more penalties for those who are in Christ Jesus. The greatest reason to give thanks is not that he heals my body. The greatest reason to give thanks is not because he provides my needs. It's not that I have a roof over my head and, and an awesome family and, and food on my table. The greatest reason 
reason to give thanks today is because once I was lost and I was hopeless and I was bound by my sins. I only had the wrath and the judgment of God to look forward to. But Jesus came and he set me free. Jesus came and paid the price for me, church. Jesus showed up with forgiveness on his heart for you and me. He paid the price. He, 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 he bore the judgment. He held nothing back. And so let me tell you what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. And it did more than what the blood of bulls and goats could do. I'm thankful that my sins are not ever before me. I'm thankful that I've been washed in the water and covered in the blood. I'm thankful that I am not left with the fear of judgment anymore. I'm thankful now that I have an advocate that intercedes for me because of him, Jesus Christ. Now God is faithful, the Bible says and just to forgive us of our sins and no longer will he remember them it's the greatest thing to be thankful for truly it's the greatest love story and that God loves us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us everything he has ever done is because he loves us let me explain it one more time something we know but it doesn't hurt to be reminded God provided a perfect sacrifice because our sacrifices would never be enough. God provided a sacrifice that would please him because our sacrifices would never please him. He did not have to, but he chose to provide a once and for all sacrifice. And that sacrifice would be Jesus. And Jesus would pay for the sins of all humanity. Jesus on the cross would satisfy the wrath of God and the penalty of our sins. And because Jesus was perfect and Jesus pleased God, those who would come to him would find forgiveness. Those who would repent and choose to serve God and put on Christ would be seen as a brand new creature. Those who would be born again of the water and the spirit as Jesus himself told Nicodemus would no longer find a face judgment but would enter the kingdom of God. And from the moment that somebody comes to Christ, they have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, that if they sin again, that if they sin again, Jesus is still enough to forgive them. Why? Because to this day, Jesus is interceding for us. And every time we repent because we've done wrong again, because we're all imperfect, God doesn't just say, man, he repented. That's a great work. I forgive them because of that. No, that's not exactly what happens. But when we repent again, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness again and again and again and again why because Jesus is still enough because Jesus still pleases God because Jesus still satisfies his wrath 
the blood of Jesus is still enough because God himself provided the sacrifice to do just that. That's what it's meant to do. It's meant to still work today. It's meant to still forgive. It's meant to still save. God provided a perfect sacrifice that would work until the end of days. And so every time we repent, God does not just look at us, but he looks at us through the cross. He looks at us through the blood that was shed 2,000 years ago. He looks at us through the mercy because Jesus is still enough. Why am I thankful today? Why do I have a praise today? Why do I have joy in my heart and spirit? Why do I have a reason to worship? Because God looks at me through the cross. He doesn't just see old sinful me, but he sees the precious blood of Jesus. And let me share one more thing with you. It won't be much longer. When somebody chooses not to repent because they aren't confident that God will forgive them again. They feel too low and messed up or dirty to keep asking again and again and again. And so they quit asking. When they do that, they're directly insulting what Jesus did at the cross. Or when somebody asks for forgiveness but doesn't have faith that God will actually forgive them because so many times before they've asked again and again and again for the exact same thing. They're directly insulting what Jesus did at the cross. They aren't criticizing themselves. They are criticizing what Jesus did at the cross, saying it's not enough to cover me. The blood is not enough to wash me. Jesus on the cross is not enough to save me. I'm too messed up. I'm too much of a hypocrite. I have failed too many times. My my, I've broken too many promises. When that happens, God takes offense because he provided that perfect and pleasing sacrifice. And for us to think that it's not going to work or we're too sinful or we're too messed up or too broken or we have fallen too many times, we offend God. It's a big deal to offend God because the cross always works. The cross always works. And nobody is so special and nobody is so unique that the cross won't work on them. The cross will always work. God did not create a faulty sacrifice. It was perfect and it pleased him. And today it still pleases him. And so the most dangerous place to be is not a place of sin. God can fix that. We've all been there. God can solve that. The most dangerous place to be is a place where we no longer believe God can fix it. We don't even repent because we're so condemned. We don't even ask for forgiveness because we've already condemned ourselves. That's the most dangerous place to be because God is always willing to forgive if we will ask. But we've got to ask and we've got to come to him and believe that he is. And he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. But with faith, church, he can do anything. He can forgive anybody. No sin is too much. He will save anybody. 
because of my sin, the wrath of God would destroy me. But the cross gets in the way. Jesus gets in the way. The blood gets in the way. His nailed, scarred hands get in the way. The thorns upon his head get in the way. The stripes upon his back get in the way. And God remembers, oh yes, my perfect sacrifice. It pleases me. The greatest reason to give thanks is that the same nails that nailed Jesus to the cross nailed all of your sins there too. And when you repent all of your sins, join the cross where Jesus was crucified 2,000 years ago. And that blood is the same blood that covers your sins today. And some say that God can't forget, but my Bible says He does forget. He chooses to forget all of our trespasses and all of our sins. Because it's under the blood, God never remembers it again. Church, aren't you thankful for the cross today? Aren't you thankful for the shed blood? Aren't you thankful that Jesus redeemed us? Aren't you thankful that when we were stuck, God made away. Oh, I'm so thankful church. I'm so thankful for the cross. I'm so thankful for the shed blood. I'm so thankful that I have salvation. I'm so thankful that heaven is my home. And one of these days we'll be with him church and we'll see him face to face. And oh, what a day it will be when we look upon him, the one who saved us by his grace. The one who laid down his life. The one who held nothing back. Oh, what a day of thanksgiving it will be. Oh, what a day of praise it will be. Oh, what a day of worship it will be. Oh, what a celebration we will have when we go and meet our King. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. For more information about Pursuit, visit PursuitChurchAR.com. Thank you for listening and see you next week.